You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Okay, good morning everyone. My name is Emmanuel and uh, I will be entertaining you this morning. Uh, before we, we start to uh, have this, before, we, before I start talking to you, I think we should just spend a bit of time praying. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. Father, we are so grateful to be here together. Please speak to us today as we, uh, as we listen to your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, Christmas is not very far. And as you can imagine, you know, everyone's getting into the Christmas spirit. And you're starting to feel more relaxed. And you're thinking, there's going to be a few days coming where I'm going to have, good, have, have a lot of food and enjoy time with family and that kind of stuff. It's all right. Also, oh, okay, that's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> also, around this time of year, for some reason, I just have to ask, how many people get to do performance reviews, end-of-year performance reviews in your work? Okay, not many. I was expecting more. Okay, well, we're going to watch a clip of what one looks like. So uh, you can go and say to your manager, I'd like to have more of this. I'd like to have more. So the guys are getting the, uh, the clip sorted, but I just explained. Performance reviews, uh, you, know, you know what they are. At the end of the year, you meet with your manager and they say to you, how have you done this year? What are your strengths? How can we build on those? What are your weaknesses? How can we strengthen those? So that's the kind of thing you do. And if you're a student, something to look forward to when you, when you start working. So uh, they're meant to be quite useful. They're meant to be very good. In fact, they're meant to be really helpful so you can look back at what you're good at uh, and, uh, and hopefully build on that in the next year. So we're going to have a look at one, and you can ask for this. Demand this from your manager, yeah? Under strengths, you've just put accounts. Yeah. That's your job, though. That's just... That's just... Mm. No, Keith, I was sort of looking for your skills within your job, so is there anything else you could have put there? No. Okay. Um, under weaknesses, you've put eczema. Ignore this, by the way. This is just what's happening in the office whilst the performance review is happening. So this is not the performance review. Have you got a a girlfriend or (laughs) why? One thing. Why? Why? Would you? Mm -hmm. Um. The equation. Yeah, I know. But I mean, if you weren't, would he be? If I weren't. Performance right, you've, you've, le- you've left this section completely blank, Keith. You haven't done the Q and A. I thought of that. You filled that in. No, 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 no. This is aimed <laughs> at you. Um, to what extent do you believe that you have the skills and knowledge to perform your job effectively? And then you just tick one of the boxes. Not at all. 
to some extent, very much so, don't know. What would you take? Don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, question two. Uh, do you feel you have received adequate training to use your computer effectively? What are your options? Same as, they're always the same. Always the same. Not at all. To some extent, very much so. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know again. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel you are given the flexibility to decide how best to accomplish your goals? Do you want the options again? Yeah. Not at all. To some extent, always the same. Very much so. Don't, don't know. know. If don't know wasn't there, what would you put? Well, the option... Not at all. <laughs> to some extent. Very much so. Don't know. Very much so. Do you remember what the question was? No. Okay. Do you... This, we're going to leave that there. Uh, so, yeah. Demand that from your manager. Yeah? yeah anyway... It is supposed to be more useful than that, really. It's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be a time when you, you, know, you genuinely reflect on your previous year and, uh, and, and, and look to how you can build on that for the next year. Christmas happens to fall at the end of the year. And naturally, because of when it falls in the year, you start to kind of reflect anyway. I think that the year is coming to an end. You start to ask yourself, have I really maximized the year? Have I used it wisely? Is there something I could have done better? How can I make next year even better for me? But also, if you took Christmas out of December the 25th and put it somewhere else, you find that it's also, it was a time, so the first Christmas when Jesus was born was actually a time of real reflection. It was a time of natural reflection. People were looking back and then looking forward. And I'm going to read some scriptures to show that. Uh, the whole, the whole thing about looking back and looking forward. And by the way, we're going to be reading a number of about five or six or seven different scriptures. So if you have your Bible, have it handy. So I'm going to... No, no, no. Not here yet. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 2, from verse 1 to 6. If you don't have your Bible, that's fine. I'm just going to read out uh, to you. So this is around the time when Jesus was born, Christmas. When Jesus was born in the village of Bethlehem in Judea, Herod was king. During this time, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and said, Where is the child born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this, he was worried, and so was everyone else in Jerusalem. Herod brought together the chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses and asked them, where will the Messiah be born? They told him, he will be born in Bethlehem, just as the prophet wrote. And this is what the prophets wrote. Bethlehem in the land of Judah, you are very important among the towns of Judea. From your town will come a leader who will be a shepherd to my people, Israel. So they're looking back. And this is just one of a number of different prophecies that had been talked about way in advance of Jesus being born. But also it was a time of looking forward. In Luke chapter 2, from verse 21, I'm just going to read an example. Luke chapter 2, from verse 21, of how 
the coming of Jesus provoked people to actually look forward, having looked back. Eight days later, Jesus, is, so Jesus was born. Eight days later, Jesus' parents did for him what the law of Moses commands, and they named him Jesus, just as the angel had told Mary when he promised she would have a baby. The time came for Mary and Joseph to do what the law of Moses says a mother is supposed to do after her baby is born. They took Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord, just as the law of Moses says in 24. The law, the law of the Lord also says the parents have to offer a sacrifice, given at least a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So that is what Mary and Joseph did. And at this time, a man named Simeon was living in Jerusalem. Simeon was a good man. He loved God and was waiting for God to save the people of Israel. God's spirit came to him and he told him that he would not die until he had seen Christ the Lord. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to do what the law of Moses says should be done for a new baby, the spirit told Simeon to go into the temple. Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms and praised God. Lord, I am your servant and now I can die in peace because you have kept your promise to me with your own eyes. I have seen what you have done to save your people. So looking forward, the foreign nations will also see this. Your mighty power is a light for all nations, and it will bring honor to your people Israel. So Christmas by itself, if you took it out of the 25th of December, was a time of national looking back and looking forward. So as we celebrate the birth of Jesus at this time of Christmas, Perhaps it is a time for us to look back and also look forward. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of time to do that because most people tend to have a, a break around this time to do that reflection. If, if you like, you'll be doing a, a performance review. <laughs> you'll be doing one. But the question is, who should do it? So in that case, he went to his manager and they had this very awkward discussion. Uh, and if I'm suggesting to you that you should do a performance review, you probably say to yourself, you know, how, how would that go? Well, who should do it? Who should I do this personal examination with? Uh, and so the next slide comes up. The Bible has a lot of different scriptural passages that suggest to you who should do it. And that person is you and I. We do our own personal examinations. It talks about, I have considered my ways. Let us examine our ways. Each person must examine his own actions. Everyone ought to examine themselves. So we have the task of doing this. No, no manager, no questionnaires. We do it ourselves in a spiritual context. We are very good at doing other people's reviews. You know, we love it. When we look at someone, oh, he could be better at this, or she could, she could iron that out, if only she just talked less. I mean, we, we can do all those things, can't we? But the Bible encourages us that we should do our own personal examination. And let other people do theirs as well. Okay, so for the purpose of actually carrying out this personal examination, I think there are a couple of, two groups of people that are here today. Uh, and so I'm going to address those two groups in two different ways. I'm going to hopefully suggest, uh, so, so in that case, you had a questionnaire, you had something to talk about strengths, weaknesses, are you good with using your computer, do you feel empowered to do your job? What can you use to do a personal self-examination? And hopefully, I will provide some suggestions today. So, I said the two groups. So, the first group of people I think we have here today are those of us who will say we are Christians. We have committed our lives to Jesus. We've said we're going to follow you 
Jesus, we love you, not here yet. Uh, <laughs> we're going to follow you, and we're gonna, we love you. And you, you have made a commitment to Jesus, which is great. We're going to look at that. For some of you, you haven't come there yet. You can't say you've made a commitment to Jesus. You can't say that you probably are thinking about it. You may not even be thinking about it. So I'd say you fall into that second category. So for the first category, I extract my uh, suggestion of a, of a framework, if you like, to do this examination from a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. So yeah, that's the next slide. So Paul, as you know, wrote a lot of books of the Bible. And we're going to see Paul later. He, he writes two letters to Timothy, as we know. This is the first one. He, we're going to see what he does in the second letter. But in the first letter, Paul writes to Timothy and says, so that's the scriptural reference, 1 Timothy chapter 6 from 11. He says, but thou, O man of God, that's Timothy, flee from these things. And these things, if you read before that, it talks about a number of different things that would prevent us from following God in the way we would like to. And it says, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And then he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, and he you know, carries them there. So I have picked up the three Fs, three words that I think will help us to do, carry out a personal examination of our spiritual walk. So the, three, the first one is to flee. I put up an example there uh, and, uh, of a person who did this quite well, and it sometimes it's good to see if I'm to flee, what does that actually mean? And this is a good example which I'm going to read from. Uh, and... Just to give you the backstory of this before I begin to read it, Joseph uh, from, in Genesis is a good guy, he's a young man, full of promise, uh, bright future ahead of him, everything is going well, and then gets into trouble. His brothers are jealous, they, they sell him into slavery. He's bought by a, a senior official in, in Egypt who works for the king, uh, and he's a servant in that household. He's a slave rather than a household, and he does quite well. He does well, and he's seen for his excellence, and he rises within the household, but he's faced with a challenge, and he has to, at some point, flee. So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 39. My version is slightly, uh, it's a very simplified version, so pardon me if it doesn't correlate with yours. So from verse 6. So this official is called Potiphar. That's his name. So Potiphar left everything to Joseph. And with Joseph there, the only decision Potiphar had to make was what he wanted to eat. Joseph was well-built and handsome. And Potiphar's wife soon noticed him. She asked him, lie with me. But he refused and said, my master isn't worried about anything in his house because he has placed me in charge of everything he owns. No one in my master's house is more important than I am. The only thing he hasn't given me is you, and that's because you're his wife. So I will not sin against my God by doing such a terrible thing. She kept begging Joseph day after day, but he refused to do what she wanted or even to go near her. One day, Joseph went to Potiphar's house to do his work, and none of the other servants were there. Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's wife grabbed hold of his coat and said, Lie with me. Joseph ran out of the house, leaving her hanging onto his coat. So that's an example of someone who had to flee. And I, I, I'd say to you, 
as you reflect back on your year just past, and as you look forward to next year, you can ask yourself, have I always fled when the occasion called for it? Have I always said, no, I can handle it, it's okay, I can handle it? And then you realize that you can't handle it. Is there a place for you perhaps to ask yourself, should I do more fleeing? Should I be able to know, be able to judge better when it is to say, look, this is going to be beyond me. I'm not going to stay. I'm going to make a run for me. I'm going to extract myself from this situation. Maybe you, you find yourself sometimes people provoke you and you lose your temper and you say terrible things and you act in a way that you always regret. Perhaps there is a place for you to say, this is coming. I know what he's going to do. He always winds me up. He always gets me. I'm going to pull myself away. I'm going to extract myself. And that could be something you could consider going next year to be able to make that judgment better. Uh, and I, I urge you to do that as you, uh, as you reflect over Christmas on how the year 2014 has gone. Okay. The next F is fight. Fight. This is a story of a, of a young man called Daniel. It's an example of, of an occasion where you might need to fight. There are times when you know, you're faced with challenges and you think, what do I do? And in some cases, the response is to fight. It's to stand your ground. Now, Daniel was a very, uh, was, a, was a young Jewish man. He had been exiled from the Jewish lands to another country. And thankfully, when he got there, he was employed in the king's service. He was quite a high official in the king's service, and he was doing very well. But a number of people were very jealous of him. They weren't happy with how he was doing, and they wanted to trap him. And so they set about doing this, you know, setting up this trap, and we see how Daniel responded to this situation. So I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 6. If I can find it. I can't find it, actually. Daniel chapter 6. It's okay. Oh, thank you. Your version is probably more complex than my version. Thanks anyway. So Daniel chapter 6, I'll read from, actually I'll start a bit, I, I did put chapter 10, but I'll start from chapter 4. The other men, so these are Daniel's co-workers, tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel did his work for the king. But they could not accuse him of anything wrong because he was honest and faithful and did everything he was supposed to do. Finally, they said to one another, we will never be able to bring any charge against Daniel unless it has to do with his God. They all went to the king and said, Your majesty, we hope you live forever. All your officials, leaders, advisors, and governors agree that you should make a law forbidding anyone to pray to any god or human except you for the next 30 days. Everyone who disobeys this law must be thrown into a pit of lions. Order this to be written and then sign it so it cannot be changed. Just as no writing, no written law of the Medes and Persians can be changed. So King Darius made the law and had it written down. Daniel heard about the law, but when he returned home, he went upstairs and prayed in front of the window that faced Jerusalem. In the same way that he had always done, he knelt down in prayer three times a day, giving thanks to God. So that's one situation where Daniel could have buckled. He could have thought to himself, ah, my job is going to be on the line here. 
can't go against this. But no, he said, no, I will fight. I will carry on praying, just like I've always done. I'm not going to change my practice. And you will be faced, or you probably have been faced, with challenges maybe in the last year. You probably were put in a position where if you did something, you would risk the, 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 the support of friends. But you knew that was the right thing to do. How did you respond? Did you think to yourself, I don't want to be isolated. I don't want to be abandoned by my friends. And so you, you didn't do the right thing. You did not fight for what you truly believed in. You caved in. You knew they, they, they were bullying someone at work, for example, and you joined in. When you thought, no, I'm not going to be part of this. This is wrong. I'm not going to bully a colleague. I'm not going to laugh behind the back. I'm not going to make fun of them. And as you reflect on your life in 2014, did you fight enough? Did you take a stand enough? Or did you cave in when there was pressure? And I urge you, as you examine yourself, looking into 2015, you can perhaps say to yourself, I want to be a better fighter. I want to be a better person that stands. I'm not going to cave in, because everyone around me is, everyone around me is doing it. Okay? The third F is follow. Thanks, Sandra. I'm going to put this here. <laughs> the third F is follow. For me... I think this is a very key one for Christians, very, very big one. And the reason why I think so is because when we become Christians, what we're saying is now we will follow Jesus. He's the number one. He's the one that owns our hearts. We want to love him with all our hearts. We want to follow him. And so he's keen for us to be able to do this properly, I believe. I mean, all the other ones are good, but this is, this is very key. Now, the, the case study I put there is Philip. Philip is a disciple of Jesus. He has decided to follow Jesus. Uh, and it shows the place that the Holy, Holy Spirit plays in our lives as Christians. Jesus dies, he goes away, he says to his disciples, I will send the Holy Spirit to lead you. And so that's what we then have to follow. And so I'm going to read from the book of Acts of how practically did Philip show his following of Jesus. So Acts chapter 8. I'll start in verse 27. So I'm just going to give a, a, a very brief description of, of, this, of the picture before I read. Uh, there's something happening in Jerusalem, some kind of worship event taking place, and people come from all over the world to Jerusalem to worship in, at the temple. So after people have worshipped, they obviously return back to their homes. Some people come from faraway lands, and that is where this story kind of takes up from. An important Ethiopian official happened to be going that road in his chariot. So this official had come all the way from Ethiopia. He'd been part of this worship event in Jerusalem. He was heading back to Ethiopia. He, that's the official, was the chief treasurer for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The official had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was now on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip to catch up with the chariot. Philip ran up close and heard the man reading aloud the book of Isaiah. Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? The official answered, how can I understand unless someone helps me? He then invited Philip to come up and sit beside him. And he talks about a passage, you know, if you read on, that he was reading from in the book of Isaiah. Uh, and then from, from, from 34, the official said to Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else. 
So Philip began at this place in the scripture and explained the good news about Jesus. And you can read a little bit more. Eventually he gets baptized and uh, he carries on and you know, he, he gets to know Jesus more. I bring this example because if you see what Philip did, that he did something he probably would never do. There's a guy in a very foreign costume, in a chariot, going somewhere, and he feels the Spirit say, join yourself to this, go closer, go there and see. And he goes there, and eventually an opportunity opens for him to preach God's good news. I reckon that if we are going to be the Christians that God calls us to be, we need to be able to hear his voice. We need to be able to do things that we feel he has asked us to do. And the only way we can do that is if we daily listen to his voice. We've got to train ourselves. That's part of being a follower. You follow somebody. You hear someone telling you to do something. You comply with it. If that is not happening on a regular basis, you are not following anybody. You are just leading yourself. And I feel that as Christians, if we are going to make a difference, if we are going to be part of the supernatural, We've got to have that connection with God where we feel he's saying something. And many times, he's probably saying something that we would never otherwise actually say to ourselves. And my challenge to you is, if you look back at 2014, can you think of many times when you felt, I would never otherwise do this, but I felt God lead me to do it. And that's what a follower does. He follows the, the, lead, the, the, the master's leading. And because of the people we are, many times... You know, we, we are motivated by, 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 by our senses, what we see, what we feel, what we hear. But we know God works on a different level. So many times, even what he's saying for us to do would, not compre- would just not make any sense. And you think about Philip, why would he join? Why would he go close to a guy in a chariot? You know, it just doesn't make any He doesn't know the guy. Doesn't, he looks very different. But he does that. He obeys. And then he then sees the opportunity. And I, I, I would challenge you to say, you've got to find, you've got to press in and say to God, I want to be able to hear your voice more clearly. And I want to be able to look back and say, these are things in my life that are different because I would have done it in this way, but because of God's direction, I have done it in this way. The Bible says in John 10, uh, 27, my sheep, which is what we are when we choose to follow Jesus, they hear my voice and they follow me. And I'll tell you another reason why this is very crucial. And I'm going to read from a passage in John. John chapter 16. From verse 12. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. So, he'd spent, so Jesus spent a lot of time with them, uh, speaking to them, teaching them. And in our case, we have the Bible to read. Okay? So we, we have some kind of written word. But this is what he says in verse 12. I have much more to say. In fact, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start a bit, a, bit, uh, a bit further. I'll start from verse 7. But I tell you that I am going to do what is best for you. That is why I am going away. The Holy Spirit cannot help you until I leave. But after I am gone, I will send the Spirit to you. So from verse 12. I have much more to say to you. But right now, it will be more than you could understand. The Spirit shows what is true and will come and guide you into the full truth. The Spirit doesn't speak of his own. He will tell you only what he has heard from me. And he will let you know what is going to happen. The Spirit will bring glory to me by taking my message and telling it to you. What Jesus was saying to his disciples is, this is just a small part. I have a Spirit. I'm going to send him. He will be able to guide you. And as you can see, Philip is clearly operating at that level. The Spirit has come, and he's now beginning to guide him. And my challenge to you as you look back, 
2014, how much influence really, really has God had in your life? How much? When have you ever said to yourself, I will do it this way, but because I'm a follower of Jesus, I feel the Spirit leading me to do it in a different way. You do something different. You get a different kind of result. And I say to you, if all we have to offer this world is nice words, uh, the Ten Commandments, just wonderful, these are wonderful things. But if you read any self-help book, any book on self, or if you meet a life coach, they can give all these nice things. They can give you nice words on how you can improve your life, how you can use your time better, how you can be a good parent. The difference we really bring is what the Spirit gives to us. That is the real difference as Christians we bring, that supernatural level of operation. That is what we bring. And the only way you can really do that is by walking as the Holy Spirit leads you. So something to chew on, I suppose, as you reflect, looking back, and also as you look forward. Okay, so that's for the first category of people. So those who, say, who call themselves Christians, who have made a commitment to Jesus. But you might be here and you, think, you say to yourself, well, I'm not in that category. I, I'm not sure if I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't know if I really, you know, I'm, I can't say that I am. And I provide you with probably a different set of tools to reflect on your year and to look forward. Next slide, please. Next one. Okay, so a few, a few questions that could help you do that reflection. When you look back at 2014, did you struggle? Did you wrestle with guilt, fear, worry? Did you have a certain spiritual restlessness inside you? You felt something was missing. How about, did you wrestle with questions about the purpose of life? What am I here for? Or what's going to happen to me after this life? Next one. And I put it to you. Would you like to experience joy, hope, unconditional love, relief, find purpose in life, have hope for the life after here? As you reflect on these over the Christmas period, if you are keen to experience these things, then there is an offer on the table. I call it the grand offer. Jesus makes you an offer. He says, come to me if you are labored and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He wants to give you life in all his fullness. And I can show you an example in the Bible of somebody who responded in a particular way from the book of Luke chapter 15. So this is a guy who uh, decided that he would live life in a certain way. He goes off and then he has a lot of money to spend. He blows it. He finds himself in a tight situation, and he has a decision to make. What do I do? Luke chapter 15. So at this point, this guy, he's a son. He knows his father's house is, uh, is full of good stuff. And he has to make a decision. Do I go back to my dad and repent, or do I kind of carry on? He decides. In verse 17, he says, Finally, he came to his senses and said, My father's workers have plenty to eat, and here I am starving to death. I will go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against God in heaven and against you. I am no longer good enough to be called your son. Treat me like one of your workers. 
The younger son got up and started back to his father, but when he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt sorry for him. He ran to his son, hugged him, and kissed him. And I say to you today, when you look back at 2014, if that was you, that's what you want, and there's an offer on the table, and if you're unsure, will God love me? Will he accept me in spite of what I've done? From the story I've shared with you, I guarantee you that he would. He would love you. He would embrace you. He would receive you into his heart and back, and back into it. And he would come into your life and hopefully address some of these issues that I, I raised there. Okay, we're on the home straight now. So I've addressed, I've hopefully provided you with some tools to, to evaluate your life and hopefully I've covered the full spectrum of people uh, in the room. However, so we're back to Christmas. We're in Christmas now. Everything is looking wonderful. And as time goes on, and as you live longer, you start to accumulate Christmases, don't you? You start to compare Christmas of 1987 versus Christmas of 1991. You know, you start to have Christmases, a number of them. And what happens is, quite frankly, one day there will be a lifetime of Christmases behind you. You have a lifetime of Christmases suddenly. And then, funnily enough, you'll be doing the same thing. You'll be looking back and looking forward. Looking back and looking forward. And I want to show you a picture of a person who, who came to that point. Uh, and he had to look back and, and look forward. And his name is Paul. So this is that, so I told you he wrote the first letter to Timothy. This is his second letter to Timothy. And in that letter, he was urging Timothy on how he should live. And now he is telling Timothy about his own self because his own life was coming to an end. He was now looking back and he was looking forward. And this is what he said to Timothy. The time of my departure, i.e. leaving this world, has come. And this is what he was able to say. So at this point, he's able to analyze his life behind him. He's able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I have been faithful. So you look back, and I'm looking forward. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not to me only, but all those who love his appearing. Don't you love that? Wouldn't you like to look back and say, I fought well, I finished the job, I have been faithful? And if you want to say that, then the job starts now. Because at this point, it's too late. The Christmases are all gone. You're now looking forward. So this is the point at which you say, I want to have that at the end, so I'm going to start making those changes now, so I can fight well, so I can finish well, so I can be able to say, I have been faithful. So, just to summarize, are you here today and you say, well, I love Jesus, I want to follow him well. 2014 is gone, it's not going to come back. But how about 2015? Can you make some changes? Do you want to think, I need to be able to flee better? I need to be able to fight better? I want to follow Jesus better? But what if you're not a Christian here? You're thinking to yourself, I don't really know him. Well, why don't you? Why don't you step forward and say, Jesus, come in. I want to experience the joy you give. I want to experience the love you give. I want to, I want to have a, a good picture at the end of my life, to look back and think, you know, I, it, it, there was a purpose to it, and I look forward to a glorious future ahead of me. Why don't we bow our heads for a, for a short time of self-examination?
as you can see from some of the scriptures, the self-examination is done by you. No one's going to do it for you. I'm not going to do it for you. You're going to do it for yourself. And I think it's only, it's only wise if you're being honest with yourself. It's only to your benefit if you can look back and say, you know what, I know I haven't done that well. I know I could have done better. I know Jesus loves me. I am sealed in his love. He is my father. I am his son. But I know that in terms of serving him, in terms of pleasing him and following him, I just haven't done enough. I just haven't done well enough. I've let him down many times when he was hoping I would stand up and say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Instead, I shrunk away and I, 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 I followed the crowd. And I, I, I was ashamed to, to actually be open about my love for him. Why don't you say it in your heart? I'm going to reflect on this and I'm going to, going to find ways to make him proud of me in 2015. And if you're here, you're saying, it's been a restless one, 2014. Tough. So much uncertainty, so much upheaval. I want 2015 to be different. Then I offer you something that Jesus says. Come to me. I will give you rest. Why don't you, if you're in that place, why don't you say this prayer with me? Why don't you say it in your heart? Jesus, I come to you today. You've made me a good offer. I love the offer. I'm going to accept it. I'm sorry for the wrong I've done. Please forgive me. Forgive my wrong. Forgive my naivety. Forgive me for the times when I let you down. Or I, I said, no, I'm not going to follow you. I turned my back on you. Today, I turn back to you. I come to you. Please accept me into your heart. Please come into my life. Change me. Help me to be more like you every day. And if you've prayed that prayer, I'd love to have a chat with you at the end of the service today. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your love. Thank you that you give us opportunities to reflect, to self-examine, and to help us to be better every year, so that at the end, we will not be ashamed to look at you and say, we'll be ashamed to look at your face. You'll be able to say to us, well done. You've done well. You really used the life well. You really fought well. You, you did a smashing job. I'm so proud of you. That's what we want to hear when it's all over, when all the Christmases come to an end. And so at this particular Christmas, Lord Jesus, as we reflect on your birth, Help us, Jesus, to draw nearer to you, to reach out to you, because we know you are waiting to reach out to us. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.